Hey y'all, welcome to ODAT, also known as One Day at a Time, a show where we love to discuss the essentials and tips for the everyday woman and how to achieve your best life, not just because you deserve it, but because you were made for more. I'm your host, Karina F. Daves. Hey amigos, welcome back to Oh Dat, One Day at a Time, a place that I love to talk to women who are just basically killing it out there. Today, I have a really close friend and sister um, who I've loved and known for a very long time, my sister, Euchenna Baker. Euchenna, you have um, 30 seconds to introduce yourself as I give all of the people that I talk to. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, ready, set, go. Hi, I'm Yuchenna Baker. I am a child of God. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. Um, Professionally, I'm a vice president at a university. Um, I'm someone who loves to run, to cook, to listen to music, to sing. But most importantly, I just love to be a mom and a wife. I love hanging out with my family. They're like my core. So that's who I am in a nutshell. (laughs) Amen. So Yuchenna and I met back in 2008 when I became a residence hall director at Rutgers in housing. She was my supervisor. And during that time, I was just on fire. Like I just was super um, focused and I would, looking back now, I would call myself a square. Euchenna, (laughs) while she embraced that side of me, she also birthed flexibility during that season. And I'm not sure if I've ever told her this, but she, (laughs) you know, embraced the fireness um, that I had, but she also wanted me to redirect that energy into be able to finding a balance. And she says, you know, um, in other words, she would basically coach me and telling me you're a good person, you're kind, you're a sweetheart. And while you have to manage people, they can't just always see the militant side of you. They have to be able to see who you are as a human being because true leaders are transparent. And so can you share with us, like, where did you start? Are you, you're from New Jersey, right? Yes. Okay. You grew up in a household. You're in New Jersey. You're in high school. You transitioned to college. Um, Tell me a little bit about who you are in college. Gosh. So in college, it was interesting because it was the first time I think I was able to really um, get to learn who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to explain that, I got to rewind a little bit, right? Because I do think the foundation is really important. It really shapes who you are. Yes. So, you know, growing up, um, you know, I didn't have the easiest upbringing, right? You know, I lost my mom at a very early age. When I was nine months old, she was killed in a car accident. And at the time, it was me and my sister, uh, and, you know, she was two at the time. My dad was going through medical school. And so he was really, um, you know, he was really busy trying to build a life for us, but also trying to, you know, figure out life without um, his wife. And so I grew up, I felt like without that, um, that foundation of womanhood and for someone, you know, to be able to just help me in that coming of age, you know, figuring out what it means to navigate life as a woman and a woman of color, you know, in America. Mm. And so for me, you know, when I left to go to college, um, I learned a lot about myself. I think it was the first time I was actually able to be still with myself um, because I was sort of like free from 
you know, um, the household that I grew up in. I was free from, you know, I, ha I also had um, uh, four uh, brothers and sisters. So there was like six, you know, siblings wow. in one house. And so you're growing up with everyone's thoughts and perceptions about who you are, who they think you're going to be. But when you leave home, you know, it's really you. And so for me in college, um, I think it was a huge growing period for me um, because I really learned about who I was as a person. I think all the things I never got to unpack, um, you know, throughout my 18 years, I started to unpack because you're forced to do that. You're living on your own. You're learning about life with a roommate. You know, it was the year I met my, you know, my current, my husband, not current, my only husband. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, current? Let's be clear about that. My one and only husband. But that's the year that I met him, right? And so you're learning about relationships. You know, you're learning about trusting people. You're learning about trusting yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I came to college and I, I didn't realize there were all these things to learn. Um, but that's the place where I learned all of that. Um, interestingly enough, Karina, you talk about, you know, what my impact on you was, I'm going to share with you as well. So as I said, you know, growing up, I didn't really have that sisterhood, right? You know, um, you know, I had my sister with me, but I mean, you know, that, um, you know, a, a, a woman to show me what that relationship looks like. And so I always had really huge trust issues, right? Um, and, and one thing about, you know, Karina um, that I've always appreciated is she never gave up on me, right? You know, I had my boundaries, right? But she would still show up. You know, um, she would still call, she would still visit. You know, when I had my first child, I remember, you know, she came to um, visit and I remember distinctly, she was carrying my um, JJ, my little one, and she had him up in the air and he spit up on her. Like he threw up, he literally threw up on her, right? And she was like, oh, whatever, you know, it's all good. I remember days that she would come over and we would play, um, was it the Wii? I think it was the Wii we would play, I can't yeah. remember. It was mm -hmm. the we would play, you know, um, you know, the games together. But anyway, she 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 was persistent, like she she stuck through it, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, Karina was that person that although like I had my boundaries and my trust issues, she showed me that unconditional what it meant to like have mm -hmm. that unconditional love and friendship. And I think that's why we're still friends to this day. But anyway, that's a long way of just saying, you know, how my roots, you know, what I was like in college and how again, you know, the people in your life should have, you know usher you through um, your own your, your own process and teach you things about yourself. Yeah. Well, I didn't expect to, um, you know, get choked up, but I did. So thank you for sharing that. I, I, I love you. I admire you. Um, and you're more than a friend. You know, you're, you're like my sister. So tell us about how you made a decision to move, because I remember having that conversation with you where, where I, you know, you are, you were always a very private person. And so I remember sitting in that office and you had this news that you were getting ready to move on. And it came from a place that you felt like you were at one place for so long and you just needed to break free wherever it landed you, right? And so yeah. can you tell me like, you're out of college, you're, you get married, you get this great position. And then do you feel stuck in that? Did you feel stuck during that period? Yeah, you know, so it's interesting, right? So um, at the time, you know, my, my lens and my perspective for moving was um, professional. But years later, um, I realized that there, were, th there was a huge personal aspect of it that I just did not know at the time. Mm. So professionally speaking, um, yes, I was at a place where I knew um, I was ready for that next step. I was stuck, right? And I'm the type of person that always, I feel like I need to live a life of purpose. 
again, as I shared, losing my mom taught me about the brevity of life. Um, and she didn't get to like fulfill her own dreams. And so I've always had this fire inside of me that if I'm not living my life to the fullest, if I'm not being able to be productive in a way that's meaningful for me and others, I've got to, I've got to go. And whether or not it feels like it's, um, it's, it's uncomfortable, it might be scary, um, I'd rather go through that than to be stuck. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, at the time, professionally, I was very much at a point where I knew I was ready for the next step. But the ironic thing was, you know, I was, you know, I was raised in New Jersey. New Jersey was always my home. So even though I was ready for that next step, I didn't have to move four hours away to upstate New York, right, to be able to do that. But what I realized in hindsight was that the, the, the moment I decided to move was very soon after um, my childhood friend passed away. Mm. And so what happened was, you know, this was a friend I knew from um, kindergarten and we grew up together, right? We were the same people, had the same dreams. We went to grade school together. We went to high school together. We had plans to go to college together. As a matter of fact, I always say that she was better than I was. She was nicer than I was. She didn't talk back. (laughs) She wasn't sassy. You know, she was just a really good person. And she was in a very bad relationship. Um, and at the time, um, I remember, um, it was right around when I was going to get married. And I kept mm-hmm. on reaching out to her for her to be my, um, my, um, my maid of honor. Um, and she was not responding to me. And so I took it personally, right? And I didn't, um, and I remember, um, you know, my, my husband, who was my fiance at the time, kept on saying, keep trying, keep trying, right? And I said, no, she doesn't want anything to do with me. It's fine, whatever, right? And so I left it alone. And then a few, um, a few months later, I got a phone call from a mutual friend. Um, and that person let me know that um, my best friend had passed away. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, car accident? Because, you know, that's all I, you know, I thought, okay, that's how my mom passed. That's how she passed. But in fact, what happened was her boyfriend at the time, um, she decided to break up with him. And um, he drove to her house um, and, and killed her. And it committed suicide um, in her house in front of her grandmother. And the next time I saw my best friend was at her wake. And so I didn't realize it at the time, but I was grieving because everything in New Jersey reminded me of her. You know, when I would drive by the school we went to, it reminded me of her. When we would drive by different places that we went to together, it reminded me of her. Everything reminded me of her. And so I really think that in hindsight, you know, they tell you not to make decisions when you're grieving. I didn't realize I was grieving at the time. And so I had this urge, I just had to leave New Jersey. I just had to leave. And I didn't realize that at the time, you know, although the professional voice was what was very clear to me, I didn't realize that I was also running away from the memories of my best friend and so again you know as I went through life and I started to learn more about myself and how grief works I realized that that's what I was running away from so I ended up in upstate New York um, which was like the best experience right I I hated it (laughs) getting ready I hated it (laughs) why did you hate it (laughs) oh my so like so many reasons so for one I mean I'm thinking okay I'm going to New York um, you know, all I knew was like New York City. I've never been to upstate New York. So when I went to upstate New York, it was completely different than what I expected it to be. It was not the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not diverse at all. It was brutally cold and I did not like the cold weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also in an environment where I felt like there were not many people like me. I was a new mom. You know, um, I just had my first son who um, was born early. And so um, when, by the time we moved to upstate New York, my son was um, out of the NICU at this point. 
when he was born, he was one pound, 14 ounces. He was only born at 26 mm. weeks. Um, and by the way, he'll be 11 tomorrow. So God is good, right? Um, but, you know, so he was one pound, 14 ounces um, when he was born. And, you know, soon after we moved to upstate New York, and I realized that one, the medical care was not really good for him at all. But the weather, the extreme cold was not good for his condition either. And so for the first time in my life, I had an anxiety attack when I was in upstate New York. Wow. And again, a lot of things you realize in hindsight, because when you're in the moment, you're just going and going and going and doing. Right. And so over time, I've learned, you know, to be able to pause and be in tune with, the, with what's happening internally. But when I was in upstate New York, I had my first panic attack. And I think I had it because I felt like the world was crashing around me. I was the environment I was in, you know, again, weather wise, you know, was not good. People told me about vitamin D deficiency. I didn't really understand it, you know, because mm -hmm. the sun didn't come out much. Um, you know, I was trying to find good medical care for my son. I was a new director at the time. You know, it was my first sort of like big moves professionally. Um, I was pregnant with my, my second child with my daughter. So all these things were happening. And I just felt like um, I just knew my spirit wasn't in the right place. Mm -hmm. So I remember having that anxiety attack. And it was one of the scariest things I've ever experienced because I never knew what that felt like. And then I had to Google it and figure out, oh, this is what happened to me. <laughs> um, and then I think that's when I actually hit a point when I said, you know what? No, like my health and well-being mm -hmm. is not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so again, when people ask about moving, you know, again, you know, there are certain things that prompt you to do it. And for me, I'm not afraid, you know, to move. I move when God tells me to move. Mm -hmm. I may not know what's on the other side. It might feel scary. It might feel like an uncharted territory. But I just know if my spirit is telling me I need to move, then I move. Mm -hmm. And I, after that, you know, moment when I had that anxiety attack, I realized this is not a place that's healthy for me. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy for my family. I need to get up and I need to move. And then we made the decision to move to North Carolina. Do you feel at peace with your decision? And now you have a family, right? Because at this point, your second child is born. Mm -hmm. And do you feel at peace, one, with your decision? And how do you place yourself somewhere else with your entire family? I felt so at peace, right? Um, and I think it was easier because at the time, the kids were still so young. So quite frankly, they didn't have a choice, right? <laughs> they couldn't talk back. They couldn't tell me no at the time. Right. But I also knew um, that there was something better on the other side. And so I remember we left, um, it was January 13th. I remember this, right? Wow. We packed up our U-Haul truck um, in upstate New York. We packed everything. Um, it was in the middle of the night. We're finally done. And we just drove. Right. And when we left upstate New York, it was negative 13 degrees um, at the time. And I remember, you know, as we got further south, you know, it was getting warmer, you know, and, you know, we were starting to sort of like peel off layers. Right. Then we land in Wilmington, North Carolina. Wilmington is like a beach, you know, it's like, you know, the beach part of um, North Carolina. And I remember it being January and it was like maybe 60 something degrees. Wow. Right. Now, for most of the folks um, in North Carolina, it was cold. For us, it was a heat wave, right, coming from upstate New York. I remember, like, that weekend, we were all at the park. The sun was out. The skies were blue. Like, there was light. There was sun. Mm -hmm. I felt alive. I felt wide open spaces. Um, and so, yeah, we felt like we made the right decision. We built our first home. That was the first time we got to build our home from scratch, wow. and we did that in North Carolina. We still have that home till this day. Um, 
And we felt like we were actually just putting down some roots. And I was seeing how my kids were thriving. They were happy. Um, that's when, um, at that point, um, I was able to finally finish my PhD. I, had, I put it on hold um, to take care of my son. Um, that's when I discovered running um, because it was just so beautiful outside. So I'll just run all the time. And I discovered running at that point. Wow. I mean, those were like the best, the, the best moments. We, 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 we loved it. We thrived. Um, then at that point, I remember, so we, um, so I defended my dissertation pregnant with my third child. So this is when the family also continues to grow. So pregnant with my third child, I was six months pregnant at the time. And then I remember my graduation ceremony, my third daughter was there and present. So she was with me while I was, you know, working on my doctorate. And then she was here in person, you know, um, when I graduated. So North Carolina was a beautiful time, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, and so I spent about four years in Wilmington. And then um, I had an opportunity for um, the next step up because at the time, like I said, I was done with my PhD. So we moved to another part of um, North Carolina. Um, again, we were, you know, we're one big happy family. We were settled. We're doing well, but I was professionally restless. And I just mm -hmm. knew I wasn't um, living, you know, my full professional purpose. Um, and so then I decided to then look for that next opportunity. And I didn't realize it was going to bring me all the way to Washington State. <laughs> this is how I ended up here in Washington State because, again, professionally, I just was ready for that next move. Yeah. When you're making moves like this, were there folks that did not agree with the decisions you were making? And how did you silence those and follow your spirit? You know, that's a really, really good question. And, you know, I, I should be clear when I say um, my spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right. So um, I've always been the type of person that has been able to silence the noise. I kind of march to the beat of my own drum. Right. Like I don't I don't really do anything in a way that's supposed to be traditional or make sense for anybody. And I'm OK mm. with that. Right. Because it's my journey and my path. And I think because I've always thought that way, I've never really worried about what people thought. Mm. Right. Um, so for me, if the Holy Spirit is moving me to do something. What I like to do is, and you know, my husband has watched me do this a number of times is I just try to be still, right? I find those moments of stillness and I pray and I pray and I pray and I say, God, just show me what I need to do. Those are the moments for me that when I talk about true surrender, it's true surrender, mm. you know, because I firmly believe it's going to all work out that God has already gotten it figured out. Mm. The hardest part is getting ourselves out of the way. And in those moments, I just continue to pray. I say, Lord, not my way, but yours. Get me out of the way. Whatever you need me to do, just tell me. And I feel like he will reveal himself. And he always reveals himself. Mm -hmm. So when I ended up here in Washington at the time, before I ended up here, I had two offers. One in um, Dallas, Texas, and one here in, um, in Washington State. Wow. And, and, my, and my sort of like flesh and human self was saying, yeah, it's going to be Dallas, of course. It's warm in Dallas. I remember. You know, it's, it's, it's more diverse. You know, that's where I'm supposed to be, right? But I had to put that aside and say, no, Lord, where is it that you want me to be? And really right at the ninth hour, I get a phone call, um, you know, because I let, you know, my folks here in Washington know that I had an offer at the other institution. And right at the ninth hour, I get a phone call from the president and we have a conversation. And that's when I knew, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be based on that conversation wow. and based on just, you know, um, his willingness to make sure that my family and I, you know, were, um, were, had a really good transition because he knew what it meant for us to move from one post to another. And that level of care and that level of just um, 
of, of kindness and concern and just that, that humanity that he demonstrated let me know that I was going to be in a good place. I knew I was going mm-hmm. to be okay. Mm-hmm. And the ir- ironic thing is when I did my campus visit here in Washington, I didn't see all of the area. I just saw what was on campus. And I work at a predominantly white institution. So that's all I knew. And I thought that, you know, where I was going to live was going to be like that. So mm-hmm. I was really moving on faith. And so the cool thing was that when we landed here and we explored the area, I was like, oh my gosh, it is like one of the most sort of like um, integrated, multicultural, you know, uh, you know, Tacoma is where the uh, school is. So Tacoma is one of those vibrant, you know, um, really multicultural places. I was like, oh. So it was even better than I thought. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I, um, I, I figured and I learned, and this is why God placed me here, was that um, Washington is filled with so much natural beauty, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you can walk right outside and you can get a view, some, you know, depending on where you are, of the mountains, right? The trees are um, just huge, right? So you're surrounded by nature and you're reminded by God's grandeur. And, and you're reminded really just how much... Um, you know, really how insignificant you are in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things, because God is really in control. And so you pair that with this job that's really, really, really demanding. Yeah. But what I found was that um, this was the right place to start a job like this, because this place just keeps you so centered, right? And there's also sort of like this, this high respect for work-life balance. Like people appreciate family. You have your evenings and your weekends, unless it's an emergency, right? So I feel so centered here, right? You know, you mm-hmm. go outside, the air is fresh. I remember the first time we, um, as a family, we went up Mount Rainier. It's like one of the, the, the main, you know, mountain here. And you mm-hmm. drive up and you drive up and the higher up you go, like the more um, just magnificent the world looks mm-hmm. and the more tiny you feel and the more you're reminded that God is in control. Amen. And so when you have moments like that in a place like this, you just, it's hard for you not to feel centered. So that's how I knew that God brought me to the right place. So right. again, you know, as you said, you know, your question about how do you know, and I just let God lead me. I just surrender. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what, if that's where you want me to be, that's where I'll be. I may not know what the outcome is going to be. I might feel scared. I might feel doubtful, but I just go. I feel like, you know what, you live once, you know? <laughs> so you just, you know, you seize the opportunity yeah. um, and, you know, um, and you see where life takes you. The worst that can happen is, all right, let's say it doesn't work out. You know, there's another opportunity. Right. And so again, you know, I just, I'm open to life's opportunity, but I just let, I just let God lead me every step of the way. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing you say is, there's a there's a part of us, the controlling part of us, that when we're making big moves, we sort of tend to, you know, call people, we make a list of pros and cons, we, you know, research and, and, and we write every single detail out, right? Because that's the controlling part of us. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is that there is so much power in surrendering all of that. Absolutely. And, and being still with your... Dis, with, with your question and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to uh, answer and decision and follow that. And that's how we train what, what sort of people call our gut, right? Our mm-hmm. instinct and, mm-hmm. and, and following that. Now, how do you not lose yourself through all these moves, right? Like, obviously, I can say that you've definitely, and I mean, you would agree you've grown as an individual, you've grown as a mom, you've grown as a wife, you've grown in your career. How do you protect who you are as a person and, mm-hmm. and make sure that not necessarily that you're still the same, but sort of that your core is still mm-hmm. there? And the reason why I asked this is because I recently um, was talking to God about how through 
um, the past few years, I lost the goofy side of me. And it was revealed to me through an argument with my husband. He's like, you're so serious. And I was like, you know, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you used to just joke around all the time. And I don't see that part of you. You know, and after being offended for 24 hours, I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what does he mean? And he used to be like, things just used to roll off of you. Like you would laugh at everything. And somehow you developed not just a thick skin and resilience for life, but you developed a resilience towards everything. Like you just don't take it in. Like you laugh and you smile, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I needed to start being myself. That goofy side needed to be resurrected again. Have you found that through these moves, you've had to you've lost and you've had to resurrect sides of yourself or you found yourself having to protect your energy in certain ways. Like, have you found that to be a process through these moves? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I got, I have a couple of things um, to say about that. Right. I think inevitably um, as you grow and evolve, um, there are going to be parts of you um, that are just not needed at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have to remember. We're complex human beings. We're not just one way all the time. Right. And so, for example, while I'm at work, you know, as a vice president, yeah, I've got to be focused. You know, as someone who's leading a division, I can't be goofy. Right. As you right. know, as one of the few women of color on campus, I have a responsibility for how I show up. So, so there's certain things and parts of us that are needed in the moment. And that's OK. Right. Now, when I come home, like people would never know I'm probably one of the most goofiest persons you'll ever <laughs> meet, right? You know, I'm sarcastic. I like to joke around, that sort of thing, right? But, you know, you've got to draw from what's needed at the time, right? Now, every now and then you start to lose, right? You know, you start to lose that. But the beauty of the people who are in our lives that love us, you know, they let us know right? You know, the beauty of God is that like, you know, he reminds us when is the time now to resurrect that again? Right. You know, you know, it's the Bible says there's a, there's a, there's a season for everything, yes. right? There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to reap. There's a time to sow. So that's how our life is reflected. And so we can't always be one way all the time. And so what I've learned is if I can just accept the complexities of who I am, right? You know, that, that to me, that's authentic living, right? Yes, there are going to be some days where, you know, I'm just in a bad mood. And I know that about myself. And I'll just tell people I'm in a bad mood. I don't know why. And there are some days where I just don't feel like doing anything or days when I feel hyper-focused. I think we have to embrace that. That's called our humanity. Mm. So we just have to embrace that and be okay with that. And so, yeah, we don't have to be one way all the time, right? And something might happen in our life, like the argument you, you talked about with your husband that might kickstart something in us to say, huh, maybe it is time for me to bring that back. Yeah. Right. But we're always doing the best that we know how to do with what we've got. And right. I think we have to give ourselves grace to know that that's completely okay. We change, we evolve, we grow. Um, but that's part of our complexity. It's part of our humanity. And I think that's completely normal and okay. Yeah. And so the, one of the last questions I want to ask you is while you're moving, are you making sure that your core group that you consider to be close sisters, close brothers, whatever the case may be. Are you also pruning and exiting and entering people in your life during these moves and realizing who's good for you and who's not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think 
it's easier for me because I've always had a very small circle. So, you know, I know you already, you know this about me, right? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, so I have a very, very, very small circle. It's my family, you know, like my immediate, my, you know, my children and my husband, and then, you know, you, and you know, there's like one other person, right? Like literally I have a very, very small circle. I feel so honored. (laughs) Like, well, you're persistent. (laughs) I am. (laughs) But there really is. So, so that core is always there. However, every move I make, I always, um, I always bring sort of like a, a tribe of folks that I, that I love through and mentor through and support through because I feel that's my, that's my purpose and my gift. So while I have my core, there are, so, there are countless people who will just hit me up and ask for advice or who just wants to talk about things or needs to sort of process things. And I'm always available for that. So I have a tribe in that way of folks that I love on, that mm-hmm. I mentor, that I pour into, mm-hmm. right? And I bring them along with me. You know, folks from back in our days at Rutgers, right? Mm-hmm. And still to this day, every institution or every place I've been, you know, you know, you bring a part of you know, those folks with you, but you also leave a piece with them as well. And so, yes, that tribe is there. Um, but my core, you know, my core group is my core group, is your right? Group. Yeah. yeah. And do you detox from the folks that don't agree with the things that you're doing? Well, not necessarily that they don't agree because you, you're going to be surrounded by people who don't agree with you, but I absolutely detox from people who have um, bad energy. I have no patience for that um, because I firmly believe that you have to protect your energy. So if there are people in your life who are not, you know, um, filling you, who are not, you know, if they're giving you, if, if they don't agree with you, that's one thing, but if they're giving you constructive, you know, feedback so you can grow and learn, yeah, they should be in your life. But the people who are just toxic, Nope. No. Um, I, that's the wall. And I make no apologies for it. I still can love them. I can still sort of like, you know, pray for them, but I don't have to, I'm not responsible for, you know, healing, you know, whatever bad energy they have and just sort of compromising my own energy. That's not my responsibility. That's why I pray. Right. You know, I let God take care of that, but absolutely. If there are people who are toxic in your life, you live once protect your energy, surround yourself with people that fill you up and make no apologies for it whatsoever. So do you feel like being in a, being part of an adult is not just protecting your tribe, but protecting yourself and literally having no tolerance? I've never seen it or heard it, heard it that way. So Mm -hmm. you literally, wow. And maybe this is just me because I, I just, my husband always says you have such a good heart that you fail to see people who are trying to do you wrong. And I say, I know I do, but like, how do you develop that muscle to be able to see it? So then I don't tolerate it. I think we do see it. I think we're just in denial about it. You understand? I think we know it. We know it. We feel it, right? If if we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us, we know that we trust our instincts and our spirits. We know that there's something else that's keeping us, you know, um, from creating that boundary. So it's not that we don't know. I think yeah. it's just there's something else. You've got to ask yourself, what is it that's keeping me from putting that boundary? Again, it doesn't mean you can't love people from afar, right? right? But I've made, I've made for me a conscious effort. There are certain people that I just make sure that I just don't engage with. Now, I might run into them or, you know, I might see them. It's pleasantries and, you know, I'm, I'm certainly polite, but I don't, I don't go out of my way to create a relationship, you know, with mm. someone who's toxic. You know, if you're not equally yoked, right? And the Bible says that too as well, right? You know, um, you know, there's no reason why you should put your energy into, um, into places that's negative. There's just no Mm -hmm. reason to be able to do that. So again, like I said, I think we know it, we feel it, 
Yeah. But there's something that's keeping us from actually um, putting that wall up. Yeah. I mean, you've just said such amazing, you dropped like massive gems. <laughs> and I'm so thankful. And I just, I hope that who's ever listening and is in a place in their life where they're getting ready to make a transition to move, that they really understand to be quiet with themselves, um, to listen to, you know, um, the voice of the Holy Spirit or, you know, whomever they may believe in, um, but just to be um, cognizant of that unsettledness feeling and to also prune from the naysayers, prune for the people that are not your cheerleaders, right? And I always, I'm, I'm so strong about that, about having cheerleaders in your circle because we are, um, we make up and we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So if we spend the most time with Debbie, the gossiper, Tina, the talker, you know, Sandy, the shoplifter, whatever, that's who literally, you know, we become. And I apologize for the Sandys, Tinas and Debbies out there, but that's who we become. And then we wake up one day and we're like, why am I stuck? Why am I stagnant? Why am I not growing? And it's really because we're, we're in a place that we're not supposed to be in. And so I'm so grateful for um, the things that you said, the things that you've shared. And I really hope that this reaches somebody who's getting ready to make a decision or who hasn't been able to make a decision about moving in their lives, not just moving in placement, but moving in spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a career whether it's a relationship choice, whether, um, you know, moving and, you know, changing themselves as a person, you know, I really, really hope and, and, and pray over that. And so I want to thank you for your time. And I want to give you an opportunity. Now it's less seconds. I want to give you 10 seconds to basically sum up everything that you've learned in your life that you want to share with the listeners. I know it's a little bit of time, but whatever last 10 seconds you want to drop, you ready? Yes. Okay. Ready, set, go. Okay. So this quote, I heard this recently and the quote pretty much says, I found God in me and I loved her. So just remember you're enough that God is in you. And if God is in you, then you've got everything you need. Amen. Amen. I love it. Thank you so much, Uchenna, for being on Oh Dat One Day at a Time. I love you so much. You're such an inspiration, and I really hope um, you know that this heals and brings a lot of uh, peace to people. Love you. I love you too. Listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be.